Welcome to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast, where we dive in deep to all things business, wellness, creativity, and activism for artists and entrepreneurs. We talk with impactful, female-driven companies and founders for an inside look at the entrepreneurial experience, where you'll come away with tangible steps to elevate your business. Are you ready? I'm your host, Phoebe Sherman, founder of Girl Gang Craft, artist and designer and marketing obsessed. We're here to learn together how to expand our revenue, implement new organizational techniques, and cultivate best business practices as we work towards creating a life doing what we love. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Hi, creatives. Welcome back to Girl Gang Craft, the podcast. Phoebe here, and today we have Janet Mesh on the podcast. Before we hop into all of that, here we are. It's almost Thanksgiving. This is coming out the day before Thanksgiving. It's wild. How on earth is 2023 already freaking almost over? I don't even know. Here to tell you about a few things as we move into the holiday season. Number one, our holiday gift guide is live. It's amazing. We have over 130 small businesses featured on this guide. It lives girlgangcraft.com slash gift guide, and that will be up till January 10. So you have plenty of time to browse and shop, maybe even shop after the holidays, get a little goodie for yourself. We really want to invite you all to support small businesses this holiday season. And as We know, as many of us listening are small business owners, small businesses produce the best gifts, and your community is going to be stoked to get something that is really intentional and full of purpose and beauty and attention. So we love supporting small businesses. Obviously, our whole business exists around small businesses, but Maybe people adjacent to you aren't as familiar with supporting small businesses. So maybe you drop this gift guide in your Slack channel. Maybe you send this to your friends on the group chat. Maybe you send this to your family reunion email chain, whatever. Pass the gift guide around. It's really easy to shop online. You don't have to go anywhere. This gift guide features small businesses from all over the U.S. And again, it's 130. So there's tons of options in really cool categories. And you'll definitely find something for everyone this season. So check it out, groggingcraft.com slash gift guide. And then if you exist on one of our two, let's call them GGC hubs, GGC hubs, we invented that right now. We have our Salem show coming up. This is on Small Business Sunday. November 26th at Old Town Hall in Salem. This is a nice intimate show. It's all inside. We have about 50 or so vendors. It's going to be a good time as always. This is a paid event for attendees. You can go ahead and grab your ticket now online or you can pay at the door. That event fee also gets you raffle tickets, which is really fun. And this entrance fee, this ticketing supports our efforts and funds our operations. Thank you for coming on by. Spread the word. Salem, November 26th 
And then if you're in our other hub, Oakland, California, that event is at Oakland Scottish Rite. That is December 2nd. That is a Saturday. We have 100 vendors in one of our favorite venues, our venue that we've been in the longest, Scottish Rite, right by Lake Merritt. Come support the community. Again, shop local, shop small, get your goodies, hit up the bar, grab a snack. It's a good time as always. And then our final event of the year is at Providence, December 10th. It's our first time in Providence. So we're really excited to be in a new state in Rhode Island. So come check that one out. The Providence show also is ticketed. So we're keeping our East Coast shows ticketed. And Oakland, we're keeping free for y'all. So check them out. And if you're not in either of our hubs, please shop online at our holiday gift guide. Okay, we have one more episode as we wrap up the year, and then we're going to take a break. And then we'll return in the new year. So keep an eye out for that final episode. And I hope you enjoy this one. Hello, creatives. Welcome back to Girl Gang Craft, the podcast. Today, we have Janet Mesh on the podcast. Hello, Janet. How's it going? Hey, Phoebe. Doing well. Thank you. Excited to talk today with your audience. Yay. Thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, for sure. So I'm Janet. Nice to meet you all. I'm the CEO co-founder of Aimtel. We're an integrated marketing agency. We're also a fully remote company. So it's a little bit of a style to that too. So we actually work in the business-to-business technology space. So some kind of like mid-sized to large enterprise organizations. We offer like a range of services across marketing. And we actually just celebrated five years of the agency in August of 2018, which is really exciting. So yeah, that's a good starting point, I think, but we'll probably get into more. (laughs) Yeah. So I would love to hear a little bit about how you got into your work, about how you Mm -hmm. decided to start your own agency. Yeah. So I went to school for marketing. So I've always worked in marketing. Well, not always. Well, my first role out of graduating college now feels like a century ago was in marketing. I was like a marketing admin, worked my way up to become a marketing manager at a IT staffing and recruiting company. And I was there for several years. I actually met my co-founder. We were working at like similar companies. They were like owned by the same kind of investment company and we're on the same floor. So meet people in like the kitchen, water cooler moments. And I learned a lot and then they were acquired. It was kind of a good time for me to like one, move on and two, have a quarter life crisis. Instead of Going right into like a new job, I actually took like time off, traveled in South America for four months and really like decided like, what do I want to do in my career? And I really want to continue going deeper into digital marketing. My specialty is like content marketing, copywriting and social media. So everything was just starting to like skyrocket in that direction and digital marketing actually becoming like a serious discipline within marketing which is super exciting. So I'm based here in Boston, Massachusetts, actually. So I came back after traveling to Boston. And part of it too, I wanted to be able to like work fully remote. And that was not now it's like a norm, there's more opportunity to work remotely. But this is probably like 2016. Now, that was not a thing. So I was like, well, I want to get a range of experience. So I decided to work with a couple of different agencies. So really learning everything as much as I possibly could, getting a lot of experience, in like account management, client services, 
And pre-pandemic, obviously, Boston had like a lot of good marketing, networking, women in business kind of groups and events. So met a lot of people through that. And that also simultaneously led to me getting my own clients and doing my own freelancing and like having my direct clients, which was really exciting. So that actually was kind of the catalyst of everything coming to a head in 2018. I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably feel this where you're like, this is something, especially if you're service-based business and just getting a lot of clients, which was amazing. And was kind of at this point where like, I need some help. <laughs> I can't do this on my own. My co-founder and I, he always wanted to start a business, but we didn't 100% know what it would be. But we wanted to start like a fully remote company, have that flexibility. So we decided the first business would be an agency. So we decided to create Intel in 2018. Started off with like a couple contractors, people in my network that I've known and worked with historically. And then within like two years, we will offer like full-time employment, kind of all those fun, exciting benefits and experience of being a full-time employee of an agency. And now, yeah, five years later, we're at almost like 20 people in the company, but still like working with some handful of contractors as well that help with like project-based work. So that's huge. Yeah. Thank you. I feel like it's somewhat of a linear path, but it also just went in a lot of different directions and I don't know if I 100% kind of think any entrepreneur listening, you don't always know exactly what you're getting into, but I'm glad that I did it. Honestly, I don't regret it at all. Okay. Tell us a little bit about the kinds of companies that you work with. Yeah. So we're in the business to business space. So it's like businesses marketing to businesses. That's like our specialization. Most of our clients have like a product or a platform. I would say like some of our most notable clients people may have heard of. One of them is called Atlassian and one of their products is called Trello. So we've been doing like Trello's content and social media marketing for years now. They're actually one of my like first consulting freelance clients. They definitely gave me the confidence to be like, I can do this, which was really huge. That's, I think, if you kind of think of like the trellis of the world, those types of tools, that's kind of where we specialize in helping to build a client's like kind of, we just go in and really help out with like the strategy and then help execute upon that, like their marketing strategy and then execute upon that. They very much either have like a product or a platform that we help market to like their audiences. But it's also kind of cool because a lot of it's not just only on the product or platform where things have evolved, which is really exciting. And we've helped with is like a lot around like the content or like articles, like blog articles, resources like that. I feel like sometimes that in itself is like a product. And that's a lot we've done well with our clients creating like video content and that educational content that their audience is looking for and help them solve problems. I guess let's bring it back to a little bit about our audience and what Mm -hmm. they can learn from you and like content marketing. Let's start with that. What is content marketing and why is it important? Yeah, obviously we work like with Ames Hope over like larger organizations, but I think a lot of the best practices are the same. And at the end of the day, it's like any audience is like, that's kind of what it distilling it down to is like, you're helping them solve some sort of pain point or challenge, or you're helping to help them discover like a solution. And I think that at its core is the driver of content marketing. It's what can we create for our audience to, you know, help them in their job, help them in their career, help in any way. That's where then you layer that in the types of content. So of course, I kind of think of content across any channel. It can be anything from written format to video, audio, of course. And then depending on the channel in terms of like social media versus email on your website. That's how I always kind of think like strategy first, like audience first. 
you can kind of get, I think any entrepreneur or anyone within an organization, you can kind of get like shiny object syndrome where you want to like create everything. I know I'm like that. I'm like, let's do all the things. Always starting with the audience first of like, what does your audience actually want for the content? What are they consuming? Where are they right now? Like, where are they showing up? Is it actually on Instagram or is it on YouTube? And focusing in there first. That's how we always look at it and advise too of, Content can be in any type of form. We really want to invest in is like creating what your audience is either like looking for or currently consuming and not doing like when we say like integrated approach to marketing, we're not saying like you got to do all the things. It's actually more of what can you create? I feel like you do this well. It's a really good example. You have the podcast, you do the video, and then you're able to take that content across channels. You can consider this is content and then across channels. And that's where you're pretty much hitting where anyone consumes it. I hope I answered the question. That's totally great. I guess, how do you figure out where your audience is? I think a lot of our community immediately goes to Instagram, but maybe that's not always the right choice for people. How do you figure out what platforms to focus on? Yeah, that's a really good question. There's actually a new tool that we use. It's called SparkToro. It came on like the past couple of years. And you can put in like a website or you can put in a social handle of like maybe like your competitor. That's kind of a fun thing to do. Like see if you had a competitor or someone else that you're interested in. Maybe you want to kind of tap into a similar audience that they have. There's a tool called SparkToro and you can put the link in there and then they actually pull for you like where your audience is is consuming other content, like other types of podcasts or YouTube channels, other social media channels that they follow. That's one that we use as like a real example of an actual tool you could take away and start using. They have like free version you can get started on. And that's kind of in the technical side, but I think it's just kind of even thinking through of, we also look at if you have a competitor in the space or someone who's doing something similar to kind of take a look at like where they're promoting their content or doing their marketing if they're specializing on maybe one or two social media channels like for our industry and like types of companies we work with it will be LinkedIn of course is the most popular social media platform but actually Instagram is also one of them on does really well for our clients and I think overall it's definitely like a power channel for us actually it works really well kind of on like the recruiting culture side which is cool maybe not necessarily like the services side Yeah, I think kind of like layering in like that data with more that empathetic approach of where's my audience kind of trying to like step into their shoes and see maybe where they are online and seeing what other people in the industry are doing or where they're targeting as well. That's great. I kind of want to hear a little bit more about implementing a LinkedIn strategy because I think that's a little bit foreign to a lot of listeners who are specifically in the artsy crafts, small business world, I think probably people listening who have maybe nine to fives are maybe more familiar with it. I'm totally ignorant to LinkedIn. But full disclosure, I've been sort of thinking about it. What would that look like for me as someone who's B2B? And I think that would be the best use of it if you had some sort of B2B business. Yeah, I wouldn't really do it if it was direct to consumer necessarily. Yeah, that's a good question. I wouldn't say like direct to consumers is popular on LinkedIn. I could see it kind of still being like a space for it, maybe even more on that. So one thing that LinkedIn is they're moving in the direction of and like what's becoming more and more popular is like kind of like more like editorial style content, more storytelling, newsletter style. They have like a newsletter feature now. Regardless of your company, if you have like stories or advice or experiences to share, they want to have conversation starters on the platform. So like content that also performs really well is like starting a conversation, prompting people, 
engaging with them. So pretty like standard social media approach, but I'd be curious to see it being a bit more industry agnostic. Like it's only a B2B platform because I don't think it has to be. I think with business to business, it's still human to human. It doesn't mean that's like robots, marketing to robots. We're not at that level yet completely. So whoever's on the platform, they're people and they don't just like only define by their job or their career. I could see that kind of applying on the B2C side. I'd be curious actually to hear from anyone who's like tried it out and it's been working well for them. Definitely what we see is like for our clients, like performing well is kind of the things I've touched on really on that educational conversation starting content. It's not overly promotional. Some of that performs well. I think if you're really looking to like convert people or to sell something, it may happen organically on the feed, but really that's where you maybe want to invest in considering some advertising, but very much where as I mentioned, what works well on LinkedIn and what to consider building out kind of your strategy and the content is really like sharing stories, especially if you're an entrepreneur. People like to hear the entrepreneurial journey, like what's working for you, productivity, tactics, or stories of success, stories about maybe like client wins. Like we do things like that too. It's also a really awesome platform. Like if you're building your business and you want to show that culture side of your company or your team, LinkedIn started as like a job platform, like helping people find and connect with companies and get jobs. So I think that's still a little bit at its core and can like lend itself if you're looking for ways, maybe outside of Instagram to connect with like a wider talent pool, definitely like incorporating that into like like LinkedIn posting, kind of sharing a little bit behind the scenes works really well too. that type of content. I think that's so interesting because like everything that you said is applicable to any other platform, basically. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I think in a way, like they all kind of are pretty similar. I mean, LinkedIn's interesting because you can kind of test out different formats of just like long form written or where you could do like images and video. We honestly see like all of it, like some of it working. It kind of just is dependent. I think it's really more of not always like the exact like format, but like the quality. It's like, is this going to be interesting to someone? Is it going to be entertaining? Is it going to be educational? And then using that as the guide of what to share. You'll probably go check out my LinkedIn. I'm like the worst. I feel like I spend so much time on like client side posting. Then it comes to our, for myself, I'm like, oh, <laughs> it feels like a lot of work. <laughs> That's so interesting because like it feels like a scary platform to me a little bit just because I'm not in the corporate world. But I'm thinking about all the things that I post everywhere and... You, know, you can just start with reposting it. Yeah, like if you already have a bunch of stuff, then it actually is kind of fun to do that, to test out. We did that with like, a, we created like a YouTube short series called Marketing in a Minute Frame Tell. And then we like repurpose that content on Reels and TikTok to see out of the three, which one would like perform the best. And I like doing that with like tweets or even Instagram posts, seeing like which posts perform on which channel. So it's kind of fun to even just like start there to be able to like compare your audiences or what's performing better on one channel versus another. And then that gives you like the direction for your strategy to be like, okay, where do we want to customize certain content? Where does it perform better? And just like then focus on that instead of just trying to do everything on every channel. We're going to take a pause in the middle of this episode to hear from our sponsors. Hey crafters, are you a creative professional and need some reliable insurance coverage? ACT Insurance has your back. We care about your crafts almost as much as you do, because let's be honest, we know you care the most. That's why we've crafted policies that are specifically designed to give you the liability coverage you need. From online sales to vendor events, we have a protection plan for you. 
Visit actinsurance.com today to learn more and buy online today. With prices starting at $49, we make it easy to get the coverage you deserve. Again, visit actinsurance.com today to find the right policy for you. Disclaimer, coverage and price may vary based on policy terms and conditions. Always read the policy details carefully before purchasing. Yeah, I think that's totally something that I talk about a lot too, this repurposing Mm -hmm. thing. Not only do you get like good data from that, you also reach more people and it's less work. Exactly. Work smarter, not harder. (laughs) Let's put some stuff on all the platforms. Like we're really trying to develop that system. I mean, I'm someone who has shiny object syndrome, maybe shiny object system also. Yeah, you can turn it into us. I love that. (laughs) But also, what was I saying? Just like trying different pieces in different places and like seeing how that works and also revisiting some of our stuff on Pinterest too, because Pinterest is again, another one of those sort of foreign platforms to me, but I know also it has longevity and some of these pieces that we already have, like our podcast videos, for instance, like throw them up there, put them on TikTok. Put them on all the things. Send them in your YouTube. Send them in your newsletter. Let's make things simple for ourselves. And I always have new ideas. I want to do new things. But like maybe we back it up a little bit and like talk about some things we've already talked about in a different way. I know there's this person on TikTok. I forget his name. But he has like the method of some three method. I don't know what the, the title is. But I've been thinking about that lately. And by lately, I mean like literally this week. How can I make each piece of content three different ways? Mm-hmm. And I think that is really interesting. For instance, I posted a sort of longer form thing about the Adobe conference, and it actually didn't do as well as I thought it would. And I was like, okay, well, how can I make this like half the length? How can I make this same piece of content? Because I know there's value there. I know that there's good clips there. Can I turn it into like lessons learned? Can I turn it into like a 15 second thing? Something with a trending sound? Like how can I take that exact same piece of content and change it up to create that impact? And then to furthermore, like test all of those pieces on the different platforms too. And like, I know that's a lot of content to work with too and can be like a little bit chaotic. So like use a tool to figure out when you're going to post all that stuff on different platforms. Oh, for sure. Yeah, scheduling platforms is the way to go for social. I couldn't agree more. The other thing too is like, just because you shared it once, like doesn't mean you can't, that's what's nice about repurposing and having like kind of different formats too, because then you can share it again later. Just because you put it out once, especially if it's only organic, like there's no guarantee someone's going to see that. I couldn't agree more with your approach and I'm excited to see what comes from it. I think that's like one thing is just to kind of like layer into the process of the system is like taking the time, like we do like bi-weekly to like monthly of looking at the analytics. I try not to obsess about it too much going in and seeing because it's just going to drive you crazy. <laughs> but just kind of have that in like kind of your routines of content creation and analytics and see like, okay, let's look at this see what performed, what didn't, and try to like, I think sometimes as much as possible, like remove your ego from it. Kind of what you were saying, you're like, I thought this was going to perform well. But then you're like, actually, maybe if I try it this way or that way, that will perform a bit like better or a different timing and stuff. But I think my advice on that would be like, don't drive yourself crazy on it either. Because if you get so in the numbers and the data, I think that like you can easily lose sight of like who you're creating the content for. And that's at the end of the day, what matters is like your audience and like who it's for. It can always be like a one-to-one tracking on it, but it will resonate with someone. And that's what I get excited about personally. 
I would love if you had any like exercises or tips or just like, how do you figure out who your audience is? How do you really zero in on that and figure out who you're talking to? And that can apply for all of the platforms and your whole business. Yeah, for sure. To be honest, like to start, if you already have maybe like customers, I'll speak first into the context of you already like have maybe kind of an idea or like one to two customers. Like if you've started a business, then you kind of have someone in mind of who that customer is. To be honest, a lot of the time I just like sit there and try to like very much think of like what is like their experience. Honestly, I think if you just like Google it, we don't have one aimed health specific, but it's just called like an empathy map. You're kind of thinking through like the who, what, where, when, why of the persona. And you're not just only thinking of their job or like specifically what you're selling them. It's like kind of even thinking like, does this person have children? Like where do they live? They live in a city or a suburb, like kind of thinking of almost someone's like day. Like I like to almost be like this person like had a day, like how am I envisioning it? And like kind of getting into your creativity there. I like to kind of start of like more of that like ideation, dreaming, brainstorming, empathetic approach to just like think of like their worldview and experience. And then from there, layer in the data, there's another framework called jobs to be done. So it's like thinking in the context of that person's like day to day, it applies well for B2B, but I think it applies Uh to everything. What is the job that they need to complete at work? What are their goals? How is like whatever we create and market to them something that help them achieve that. It's kind of that like qualitative. That's where I like to start is like qualitative ideation and thinking. And then if you kind of find that person online, if you follow people, it's like, to be honest, a lot of this is a little bit of if you're not feeling like you're stalking someone or like looking into stuff, then you're not probably going about the research in the right ways. It just go on. Obviously only do (laughs) only do things that are publicly available. (laughs) Yeah. Don't do anything that wouldn't be illegal. Of course. I think that's what's cool is actually have like access to a lot of this on like people sharing on social kind of like their day to day even on LinkedIn, what are they posting about? What are they sharing or reposting and trying to get into that mindset? Yeah, I think from there, you can, of course, like layer in that like quantitative data. If you have, I mentioned like that tool called SparkTour, you could start to try to use. Also, like if you have Google Analytics on your site, on your website, if you have a company website or like a product page, just kind of taking a look to see what's the traffic coming in, what's that demographic data I don't know if there's like a hard and fast like rule to it. I always just kind of pull in a bunch of like different things. Really like to think through what someone's goals, motivations, pain points and challenges, and then like how we can solve for that. And then trying as much to kind of see if the data aligns with that or showing something different than what we were kind of thinking it could be or that person is. The only other thing I would say is if you have customers already, that's the perfect place to start. It's like, what's the profile of that person? ask them directly if you have that relationship. I get scared sometimes to like ask my customer like, well, what do you want? Is this working for you? Is it not? Like, what would you improve? What would be better service, like a better product? So I think even kind of figuring out like if you have that relationship with someone, like a customer or your audience, kind of polling or asking them directly, that's your research and data point right there. I love that. Okay, kind of switching gears a little bit, going back to when you guys decided to start the agency, And when you decided to start growing your team, can you talk a little bit about how you knew you were ready to hire and sort of what does that expanding of a team look like? Yeah. Oh, man. How long do we have? No, (laughs) I think it was like really a lot because we're an agency. So it was like the quality of our work and the need definitely was the accelerator of having to build a team and like bring folks in. As I mentioned, we started off with 
people in my network that I had worked with before or kind of wanted to work with as like contractors. And then for a couple of years, they were doing contracting with us. We just didn't have like the infrastructure or like the capital. With Aimtel, my co-founder and I, like we completely bootstrapped the agency. Like we never got investment. We never have anything that we ever like profit wise, just invested back in the business, especially to hire because we're an agency. Like you need the people to like, especially on the client side and then like creating the marketing and all of that. That was primarily the main catalyst of just the demand of the services, which is a great problem to have, honestly. And then it led into, since we were fully remote too, it that led us to be able to kind of hire wherever in the United States. So we weren't beholden to just being in Boston, only having to like work with people in this geographical location. So that kind of opened up our eyes to like the opportunity of being able to kind of identify the best talent or just have that flexibility in hiring. And I think in terms of building a team, I feel like at the core of it, I always just kind of wanted to like, we wanted to build an age, like a company that we never could find, honestly. I think that's what a lot of people in business, like an entrepreneur does. Like I just couldn't find it. It didn't exist or didn't match what I wanted to be. So that's kind of always been the vision is like building the business and the agency and the culture and the team into like where I always wanted to work and the people I always wanted to work for. So that was kind of I feel like in reflection, some of it has been intentional of like how like kind of structure the team like, and it definitely lends itself to like the services we provide. So we have like an entire creative team. We now have like a full growth marketing team. But before that, we have content demand gen separate. Now it's like all in one, but very much in like terms of like our specialty areas of services and the people that I was hiring. That's how the team started to kind of like evolve of like who was kind of like managers and then growing out those teams. And like now we also have like a strategy team, project management and under like account management. So it definitely has been like a driver of the needs from the clients and the direction of the services, if that makes sense. I feel like there's another question you asked in there that I missed. I don't remember, but I would love to talk to you about like building team culture because that was mm-hmm. my next question anyways, but you touched on it too, like building something that didn't exist. And mm-hmm. I really identify because I don't come from any sort of nine to five. Like I was in restaurants and teaching yoga. So it's been really interesting to build a team from scratch and it's a really interesting, and I'll just talk to my own experience quickly. Like it's an opportunity to be anti-patriarchal, anti-racist, mm-hmm. all of these things, like really hold space for a team and like hold space for trust and also friendships and like have all these like nuanced relationships that maybe doesn't exist in corporate America or doesn't exist on a big team or I don't know. So I would love to sort of hear maybe a little bit more of the esoteric. How are you developing those team relationships? And also like you had to start somewhere. What did that mm-hmm. look like? How did you build the culture from scratch? Like what sort of tools did you use? And I know that's a huge question, but maybe you can speak to it a little bit. I can definitely answer it. So like one thing that I think that we did really well from the beginning is that my co-founder and I, we determined and established core values from the beginning. And we've actually added on two over the years. So we started out with five and then we added like on two more. So I can mention what they are. So like the number one, also kind of our team culture, it's like we're a fully remote company. So everything always had to be thought through with this like remote first mindset. We put time into really think of like our core values. It wasn't like from the very beginning, but like within like growing a team. And I realized pretty quick, this is pretty much like our common language 
people from different perspectives and speak different languages or just have different worldviews, this becomes like our kind of shared language of how we work together, our expectations of working, communication and collaboration with each other fully remote. The one that we have, I kind of think of them as like two pillars of excellence and empathy. And that's kind of what we want to be known for is Aimtel is like high quality, excellent services and work and like a very empathetic approach to each other and like our clients. The five we started with were communicate clearly is like a big one. I also have a communication degree. So communication is super important to me. I think within that is setting clear like intention and expectations of people. And that's something I really put a lot of effort to communicate expectations of like, this is what I'm expecting of you and trying to make sure that people are like clear about that. I think everyone kind of wants to know where they stand and like where they're going. We're fully remote. So it's like, I can't turn around to someone and say like, hey, send me that thing. Are we going to work on this? Or what do you think? It all has to be very intentional, the communication. And then the second one is understand the customers. Like that's like kind of like really thinking of like the other person of like what you're doing. Like what we just talked about their worldview, their experiences. We're a small company. So the third one's like take the initiative. Very much like we need people to kind of take ownership and take initiative, like tackle challenges, like head on together. It can't just be like, oh, I'm telling you every single step along the way. The other one was keep an open mind. We like to celebrate and like respect diversity of ideas and thought. You may have something like a strong opinion, but like someone could challenge that and being open to that, I think is actually like a great thing and an important part of like team culture. The other one was be exceptional. Those were like our ones that we have always had at our core from the beginning. The be exceptional is like that passion. Really want people with like passion for marketing or their craft that they have in their specialty area. And the ones that we've added on over the past two years is like find a solution. So really like coming, I mean, in working at any company is challenging and like you're always gonna have challenges to solve. So really have that core value has been kind of a game changer to like layer in is find a solution is like, you may not have to know exactly what the solution is, but like showing that you've thought through things. And then the final one is like collaborating with intention. So very much like making sure that like those who should be included in decision making or discussion like are involved and like inviting them to the meeting, making sure that they're like in the Slack channel, that they're like participating and like their perspectives being heard. So that's kind of, I would say like definitely starting with team culture that comes from like, if you have is those core values, like I've worked at previous company, like it's just like kind of plastered on the wall or the employee handbook, but how we kind of make sure that this is like part of like our routines and rituals is like we actually have like I'll go in a little bit of like the routine the structure of how we make sure this happens because I find a lot of the time like team culture can you want it to happen really organically I've found in my experience you have to be pretty like you really kind of have to set up a like structure for it to operate some stuff will happen organically I think that that's like you have to allow that but I don't think it's going to happen as much as people think it will. You really got to like put in the effort to make sure that people show up in the ways that they're expected to. For example, at Aimtel, we do like all hands meetings, like Zoom calls every Monday, Friday. And Monday's kind of like a look ahead of the week. We're all getting on together, looking across projects and priorities. We also kind of take a look at like our workloads and see if anyone needs to like reprioritize or get some support at certain days and talk about that openly. And then on Fridays, we treat it as like kind of like a wrap up all hands, like a reflection of the week. And we start every single call giving each other like kudos, high five, like call it kudos. And every kudo, every reflection or something you want to say to your team member about something that did that work or like celebrate. It's like our moment to celebrate every week because we're just like constantly moving forward, looking ahead. 
So it's really nice to just pause. And every time you give a kudo to someone, it needs to be connected to like a core value. So you're like, hey, like I saw that you took the initiative in this way, or you communicated clearly, we collaborate with intention in these ways. That's probably one of my favorite things of like just taking those moments to reflect. We use a tool, um, we've used it for a couple of years and still using it called 15.5. They have like this like kudos feed. So you can just like add your kudos to like the feed and then associate it to the core value. And it's kind of cool because I'm like when you, you like hashtag the value and then it calculates like what the top trending like values every month are. So that's kind of a fun way for everyone to like see like, oh, like, (laughs) yeah, it's like really fun little data point kind of back to the data, but like find a solution is the top one. So everyone's kind of like operating within that. And there's seven of them. So there's kind of like a lot. Every quarter we do like a quarterly review across like the agency and department. So we kind of like look at this like holistically, like what were the top trending like values? What are some examples? Ask people to like share more examples of that. So I think like starting there in like reflection of five years, it's like really easy to put off and like not put the work into. But if you're building a team and your plans to build a team, like that common language and like setting those expectations and like really figuring out how it's like part of like your daily, weekly working with everyone is really important. It's easy to kind of just like forget. And then you're like, oh, a month has gone by. We haven't talked about this or three months have gone by. A year has gone by. (laughs) I have other examples, of course, too, but I think I'll pause there. Because I know that's kind of a lot to take in potentially, but yeah. (laughs) No, I like that. Okay, what does your day-to-day look like? And how do you, I guess, how do you take care of yourself while running a business? And maybe those are two questions, but... Ask the hard questions now. (laughs) (laughs) I can give the classic answer of like, every day is different. What I try to do, like I can kind of explain like my morning full routine. I'm still overseeing like the client services, like marketing of like the team, like delivering services to the client. Like I'm still client facing. I do actually enjoy the work. Like I'm a marketer at heart. So it's like what I like to do. But of course, at the same time, like I have a team that is also client facing in a lot of meetings and like leading the charge on a bunch of accounts. So there's certain ones that I'm still involved in. Some of my meetings are like client facing external And then, but also a lot of like on the internal side, helping like run the business, doing our own marketing, like things like this. And then also like coaching my team and helping them problem solve and kind of working with them in our projects and accounts. I mean, kind of typical, unfortunately, is like I am in a lot of meetings for a majority of my day, but like to kind of take care of myself and like balance things, I very much like pretty much make sure I don't have any meetings unless it's like absolutely necessary before 10 a.m. Like I really like to have a slow morning. I'm not a morning person. (laughs) I like don't talk to me. (laughs) I like to talk a lot, obviously, but I need to have kind of slow, chill morning. I don't have children yet, so I have the luxury of being able to sleep in a bit. (laughs) When I can, I do. Sometimes I like to work out in the morning, like go for a walk with my husband or I like to cycle. We have like a bike at home. I'm not the best with exercise. I will be honest. I've been flow a lot, but I always feel better when I wake up and move. So I've tried that as much as possible, especially if I can have a slow morning. I start to kind of get into when I get into work mode, like between nine and 10, it's more of just like getting organized. So like seeing the lay of the land, like what do I have for meetings or like things I got to work on. I still honestly like write down, I have like a digital to-do list. Like we have our project management digital to-do list. But I like to look at it and then like physically write down. I think everyone can identify with the satisfaction of crossing things physically off a list. (laughs) I like to write down like top three priorities for the day because like I have a lot. And I think any entrepreneur, like you're kind of like 
take one hat, put the next one on. Every hour is like a lot of context switching, just looking at like the full list and then being like, okay, what are the top three things I like will get done today to feel productive and accomplished and successful? I like write those down at the top of my like page. One thing I've like put a lot of time and energy into is like my own personal development, like productivity styles and like trying different ones. And the one that I found that's like worked the best for me is time blocking and like task batching. So looking at my calendar and being like, do I have gaps of time blocks that I can like fill in with kind of similar things I got to accomplish in between meetings or things like that? That's worked really well for me. So I kind of map out my day based on almost every hour, to be honest, or even half hour sometimes. And not forgetting, I literally like today I was like, eat lunch. It sometimes it gets to the point where I like have to be like, I got to like make sure I write it down. But I don't think that's a problem. I think that's actually like, because I'll forget, unfortunately. I'm one of those people that's like, oh, three o'clock and I forgot to eat lunch, unfortunately, which I don't recommend it. But I found kind of a system there to like make sure that I'm just kind of staying on track. And then at the end of the day, but that's what I like about working remotely is like sometimes I just don't have the kind of oomph or the energy. So like I'll sometimes in the middle of the day, like go out for a walk or if it's nice out or just get some air, just like sometimes even just like do things around my apartment and around my home just to like kind of move, kind of change up my energy a little bit to like bring it back. And that's what I actually enjoy because it doesn't always have to be always on sitting at my desk from nine to five. That was kind of not the point. <laughs> at night, I just try to it can depend, of course. Like if I have events, I like to go out with friends or my husband, family, like dinners. I like to go to like networking events. Now that we can like do events in person, I like to kind of like get out. And I live in downtown Boston. So go out for a walk, kind of see what's happening in the city or just kind of chilling out, honestly. Sometimes I'm just put a, my face mask on and hang out, make a good dinner. <laughs> I love it. Okay. We are going to go onto our lightning round. I think we've talked about a couple of things already, but what is your favorite app right now? Okay. I was thinking about this. I'm like, hmm, Instagram? No. <laughs> like, <laughs> actually, I feel like this would not be like a common one, but I think everyone has access to Maybe not everyone. If you have an iPhone, you should have access to part of it. But we recently got just like the subscription to like Apple News Plus, And I've been really enjoying that actually, because it's like I can subscribe to like articles or like magazines that I like to read on there. So I've been enjoying Apple News, which I spread that question and I was like, hmm, I feel like that's not going to be like that interesting. But at the same time, it kind of is like I want to stay informed. So it's a nice way to feel like I have like a one place to go and stay informed of what's just happening outside of my world. Absolutely. What is your favorite thing on the Internet? Oh, favorite thing on the Internet. I'm like so terrible because I feel like I'm a classic marketer. I'm like the moment I can get off the Internet, I try to. (laughs) Actually, I don't know if this is like, I guess on the... It's not really, I guess, on the internet, but like something I've really enjoyed. And I feel like I'm in this mode of like, because I'm switching from, since I'm in New England too, it's like switching from summer clothes to winter. And like, there's obviously the clothes I don't want to be wearing. And I guess it's kind of on the internet. It's like a company called Four Days, F-O-R-D-A-Y-S. And I really like their site and like their kind of like whole approach. They send you like a bag, like a physical bag for your clothing so you can recycle it. So it's like all sustainable too. So you can like recycle your clothing and then you can go back online and they give you like a credit based on that to like do online shopping. So I guess that's an internet thing because I like online shopping in some ways. I guess I would go with that one because I feel like I was looking at the bag and then like I had to do all that switch up. (laughs) Perfect. Is there a book that you love lately? I started reading a book, actually. 
and I like just started it. So I'll let you know if I love it, but I love the title (laughs) and it's called surrounded by idiots. It's called like the four types of human behavior and how to effectively communicate. And I find that's really interesting because I think a lot of the time, like it's been interesting so far and just learning more about like people's communication styles and the differences. So I'm kind of looking forward to reading that book. This book had just started because I think it's a lot of things in life are just a matter of like great communication or miscommunication. So anyway, I can like kind of learn new tactics I get excited about. Let's close it out with what is something like you wish you knew when you were starting out with your agency? Hmm. I would say the biggest one is like very much on to kind of wrap up our conversation today is like around like setting and communicating clear expectations. I think that's really important. Like I said, like people want to know where they are, where they can go. And like, if you're building a team or a company, like that's kind of stuff that it evolves to that, which I didn't fully realize, I guess. I enjoy it, but it's like one of those things that like you kind of go into your company as an entrepreneur because like you're really great at what you're delivering to the customer. But as you start to like build a team and like a culture and like kind of all the other stuff, you got to think through of like people are starting to think of their own careers and like career paths. So for anyone would be like, maybe starting out would be like maybe wanting to be more of like proactive of really starting to identify that and build that part. I think actually we've done a pretty good job, but it's a lot of work. I think it's kind of goes back to like identify for yourself as the business owner of like, is that something that you really want to be doing? Like, what do you really like to be doing and want to kind of invest your time and energy in? Or like, do you hire someone to like help with those things? We wear so many hats, but it doesn't mean that you should be wearing every single hat. That really like really honest like reflection of what's a good like way I like to frame the question is like, what's de-energizing or energizing? You can probably do it, but is it what you should be doing? And I think, yeah, what we talked about too is just like putting in the work to set that kind of common language with your team. If you're building one or just starting and like, what's our mission? What's our core values? And just having that be part of discussion and conversation. Honestly, if you feel like you're, if you're repeating things all the time, then that's probably a good thing. Like back to your thing of three, it's like, if you haven't said it in like three times in three different ways, then the message probably didn't land. I always like say to my managers, I'm like, did you say it in three different ways, written, verbal, or like a video recording or something like that? It could be in a range of formats. But yeah, I think just like very much of kind of thinking through as much as you can of like, how do you want to show up in your business? And like, what do you need to build and build that infrastructure for everyone to be able to help you achieve the goals and support your customers? I love the three times or three ways thing. And I think that applies to so much. And I think you can take that to social media and say, actually, you have to say it seven times. Oh, for sure. Yeah, totally. It's okay. And it's allowed. And yeah, it makes you feel like you're doing something wrong. But it's actually like you're doing it right. If you're kind of that repetition. I love that. Okay, well, Janet, this has been so great. Where can listeners find you? You can find us on our website, amtel.com, A-I-M-T-A-L.com. Definitely, I would say, like, follow us on social. If you're, we're definitely the most active, I would say, on Instagram and LinkedIn. And yeah, we also are just like launching an email newsletter. So it's called Marketing in a Minute. So if you wanted to kind of get like a one minute marketing lesson and just kind of stay in contact with some of the content we're creating, you can definitely go to our website and go to our newsletter section and sign up there too. Oh, that's great. Well, definitely make sure that you give us that link and we'll definitely share that. Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Janet. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Girl Gang Craft podcast. Head to girlgangcraft.com 
slash podcast for show notes and more. See you next time.